against the world. I got nothing to lose, it's just me against the world, baby. <laughs> With all the sex distressing, the question I wonder is after death, after my last breath, when will I finally get to rest through this suppression? They punish the people that's asking questions and those that possess. Still from the ones without possessions, the message I stress. To make it stop, study your lessons, don't settle for less. Even the genius asks questions, be grateful for blessings. Don't ever change, keep your essence. The power is in the people and politics we address. Welcome to On Resistance Radio. This is our second show back from the break. We consented on discussing anarchism. How do people feel? Do we want to introduce ourselves or should we just jump into the discussion? Any initial thoughts on this topic? Any report backs of the last couple of weeks? They raised a metro fair, didn't they? <gasps> that passed. Did they? Pass, yeah. Oh my God. It starts in would. September. What are we going to do about it? Wait, <laughs> so it starts in September? Uh-huh. Like, they start charging? And how much? By how much? It's going to be 175 Um, For one ride? For one ride, yeah. And then I think a day pass <sighs> is like $7 or so something? Save pass is like way more for no yeah. reason. <laughs> yeah. They brought back the... Transfers. Transfers. Yeah. Bus-to-bus transfer. So they used right. to do that, but now they have a time limit. They yeah. had it before, but they just brought back something they got rid of like, yeah. as a concession yeah. to the people. And still raised it. After so many people went in and talked about how they the brunt of that was going to be pushed onto really, really poor people who can't yeah, afford it. wow. What that's are we going to do about it? You look at the Bus Riders Union, that's how nonviolence protects the state. Their tactics didn't really cause anything that would give the MTA any threat or fear of anything happening. If right. They did vote for it. Yeah. I so mean, it. yeah, I don't know. If there could be like some sort of massive withdraw campaign people to boycott and or strike and or stop riding the metro for a certain amount of time yeah people or gotta work though paying. or just stop paying that's yeah. what i was thinking like everyone just everyone. stop paying everybody just go and mm-hmm. just get on the bus and just well like, isn't I'm that what they were pay. doing i think it was in madrid people that were militant were not getting on the bus but they were holding the doors open so that the bus drivers they would just tell their superiors i couldn't mm-hmm. do anything they were militants letting people on for free mm-hmm. there was an effort to mobilize lots and lots of people, but that effort to mobilize was kind of neutralized by the emphasis on appealing to the mayor. As an individual was maybe a good or bad person and that has something to do with their strategy. Yeah. Yeah. Because he was a Democrat. Yeah, there was a lot of people being like, oh, he's, you know, (laughs) he's listening to us at least. And yeah, there was a lot of weird metaphors about appealing to Yeah, to the mayor. <laughs> Mayor Garcetti. Well, if Mayor Garcetti was willing to watch like a black youth get criminalized for speaking out, then Mayor Garcetti's going to tolerate a lot of oppression. He wants Word. it. Yeah. This is what he wants. This is fascism. This is part of it for him. Right. Absolute control. Any other report back? <laughs> Speaking of autonomy outside of the state apparatus, the processes of, of dealing with mm. uh, gender violence or violence without including the state. the state apparatus. And that's what essentially people are trying to do. They want to handle things their own way without having Western civilization state intervene because it causes more violence is the thing. They're just like people are already criminalized and dehumanized by the court system. So we want to handle it ourselves. The rhetoric wasn't guilty, non-guilty. It's more consequences as well as if the allegations are true or false um which is a little it's overwhelming to kind of hear that once people come and they testify your allegation quote unquote might be true or false like people have to still decide even though you are up there kind of crying your eyes out but yeah 
deliberation comes soon and um apparently yeah there's gonna be there will eventually be some sort of mass campaign um regarding this that's all i'm gonna say about that i guess <laughs> you're talking about alternatives to the justice system yeah. that people can kind of like put in Communities place themselves can talk about amongst themselves and right. handle certain issues themselves versus bringing in outside influences like the state that is so historically corrupt and racist and sexist and actually benefits from people not addressing their issues without the state because they want dependence as people who are looking for autonomous solutions outside the state especially when it comes to abuse it's a false promise when you're trying to lure people to revolutionary action and then you're saying you can't rely on the state you can't call the cops you can't do this but there isn't any alternative. If we're not providing alternatives, if we're saying that by avoiding the state, we're avoiding checking abuse, that's no incentive for people to come and join the movement if they can't get it addressed within the movement. Did anyone hear about the Salinas uprising that happened a week or two ago? Yeah. It was like a, ended up being a direct response to like a police shooting and the police, of course, with their credibility, are claiming that they were derailed from performing their duty, but they just shot someone and the community rose up. And then at the end of the week on Sunday, they had a march against police brutality that turned into a march for dignity and respect that had a list that was handed out by the march organizers about how to behave and how the protest to be a quote-unquote successful march because they'd organized so many successful marches was to include no anti-police slogans, no anti-police signs. Uh, You can't bring your own signs. You can only use the signs provided to by the organizers. That's just one out of many of the guidelines that were given. And so co-opted. So basically, I feel concerned community members. I don't think they're not concerned. We're pacifying people for the police. Yeah, there was the student strike actions that were happening in Australia, and it was a lot of them challenging the escalating prices of tuition. And yeah, a lot of people were arrested. Does anyone have more information on, like, Brazil, what's happening in Brazil? Against the World Cup. Yeah. I Yeah. I just know that there's, like, millions of people in the streets. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that they were raiding poor communities to displace it prior to the World Cup. They've been doing it for, for the like longest a year time now. now. Yeah. yeah. It's build this parking mass lots. campaign to build parking lots and condos. Well, rich people, what they like to do is they go on vacation to see the World Cup. They make this whole trip out of it. Right. Yeah, I've been seeing some of the street art that there's a child that mm-hmm. looks obviously malnourished and there's a soccer next to them and it's like we want food not soccer or a football and other reports saying that the police are going in there and killing people who are revolting in the streets and they're saying like we're not going in there to die we're going in to kill or really really messed up the police are saying this yeah the police were kind of gloating yeah well, I imagine it's it's becoming sort of an international effort because a lot of these countries, I think, participate this hyper-entertainment capitalism to kind of compete with each other internationally. So they just continue to ignore the issues that their people have for some image. It sounds like there's a lot of um, autonomous organizing that's happening throughout the world against the state or outside of the political process that the state has created for people because it isn't meeting anyone's needs, it isn't sufficient. Part of the nature, in my opinion, of anarchism is how decentralized it can be and how it can be practiced autonomously and based on affinity and within different communities and networks. It's interesting when you see black blocks happen all around the world. 
And so it's exciting because it's totally autonomous, it's totally decentralized, but in this common struggle of trying to overthrow the state and this global state, because it's not just your individual country, but it's this global economy, the global capitalist that we're all trying to overthrow. It's inspiring. Yeah. And like people who aren't even participating in black box tactics are the the organizers in Chile, the student organizers with the teachers were like, no, they're actually helping defend us when the police come and br- brutalize us or no, you know, they're coming and bringing in a different kind of tactic that we aren't necessarily against. So they're recognizing that kind of diversity of tactics, even though they might not be anarchists themselves or even though they're not participating in these particular black bloc tactics. Does black bloc work in the States? In the in the United States? Mm-hmm. Like as a tactic, does it work? <clears throat> I think it depends on how many people are using it. Even if people aren't assembling to directly alter property or block commerce, the more people that are willing to cover their face increases protection for like, crowds against the state, I think, and does allow you to do more. I think it determines on what effective protest is. Like if you're trying to stand outside of a building for a long period of time, it can become more dangerous if you do something controversial and you're masked up or covered. Like the point isn't to symbolically protest, do what you need to do, you get in, you get out. Mm -hmm. I don't think that adequately describes to other people what diversity of tactics is, whether Mm. black bloc tactics are anarchists or what the difference is between anarchist tactics and black bloc tactics. So not necessarily anarchistic. Yeah. What was your your question, though? Does black bloc work in the States as a tactic? I guess I just meant more towards how the state goes and combats how black bloc is seen here and how they have successfully put themselves in a situation where they not only control the narrative, but they also have gotten it to a place where it's easier to target people in black bloc than if you just had tons of people in the streets doing things. Like, yeah, you may be immediately more protected by wearing black bloc, but I feel like it's easier for them to target you and then further criminalize and persecute you. Yeah, it definitely makes it easier for them to control the narrative as well because they already have that unlocked. I think that, for example, when there was NATO in 2012, there was a lot of people that were participating in black bloc tactics, but then there were a lot of undercovers and people who are part of the state also participating in black bloc tactics. So you had people just kind of rumbling with each other in the streets and not knowing, not organized in a sense where you had certain affinity groups who were participating in black black tactics who were talking to other affinity groups that they knew and trusted and organizing that way like they did 98 when there were all of these mass affinity groups that were participating in black black tactics and like when the state was trying to handle that they didn't know since it was so decentralized in their formations the police were having a lot harder time to deal with all of their tactics all of their strategies because it was it wasn't known. There was it, it wasn't like a thing coming from like one person. It wasn't vertical tactics. It was like horizontal. So they were having a harder time managing it. So like I guess it just like Jay Ray said, it does depend on who's using them. I definitely think that there's power in anonymity. There's this really amazing power that anonymity brings. We see it with the Zapatistas. You see it with people who write and they don't leave a pseudonym or any sort of. They just you know you see it with street art and it's kind of like wow who is this stranger who's doing these things and I think it's inspiring and then also as anonymity comes um, as a way to protect people from being targeted but 
at the same time, it backfires, like you said, Bobby. In a sea of 50 people, there's one person wearing a mask, and they're just going to immediately target them. Talking about the tactic of wearing all black and masking up, and then a sea of people that utilize that tactic so that actions can be taken more covertly versus a block, what a block is, and like how blocks can be organized. So I would just urge anybody who's interested in those type of tactics and how they can be more effective than individually changing your appearance and working together like to research how to form loose blocks and use affinity groups because I think that there's a lot of fear-mongering about infiltration of the black block tactic um, or, or the cops utilize the black block tactic to infiltrate movements and I think that in terms of how you organize with other people who might take that tactic you're already looking for police infiltration. So usually if you're semi-organized, a semi-organized block, just because someone's wearing black and is trying to mesh up doesn't mean that people don't have some sort of idea of like how that process happens. And I think that a lot of people utilize a black block tactic that it, and it isn't named that in a politicized sense. Like people who do commit, commit, wow. See, there's the language of criminality, right? Mm-hmm. People who do express art in public in the form of street art you know they're usually probably masked up or like wearing like a hoodie or something so like a lot of people that are just resisting or expressing themselves in their own way will take anonymous tactics to agitate and then also i think it's really important that even though the black bloc tactic and resistance and diversity of tactics is used by the dominant narrative to kind of discredit the movement uh, i think that's a necessary contradiction to face because we're fighting the criminalization of of not just the resistance, but of people suffering under capitalism. And so diversity of tactics, you know, wearing a mask, I feel like that challenges criminality. Wearing bandanas, covering your face, like those are just cr- things that have been criminalized as crimes against capitalism. And so it's important to kind of like not distance ourselves from what has been perceived or labeled as criminal under capitalism. I think that's the major concern with black bloc. It's like, oh, why would you cover your face? Like, if you're not doing anything wrong, then you wouldn't cover your face. And it's the same thing about, like, if you're not doing anything wrong, then you shouldn't have to worry about jail or you shouldn't have to mm-hmm. worry about prison. And so I think taking on these tactics and finding solidarity autonomously outside the state through anonymity and through working covertly in decentralized ways where you can actually get a couple different affinity groups that may not normally trust working with each other, but trust working within that affinity group. And then you can all take the same action at the same time. And it's actually more effective to work that way. Mm-hmm. But challenging criminality, ultimately challenging the fact that property values more than human life. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> but I wanted to say that I don't believe that people who wear black walk are participating in something necessarily criminal. I just wonder personally if the government hasn't evolved in such a way that they can combat those tactics easily because we have seen them work before in 98. And so I wonder if the police themselves have become organized in such a way where once they start to see horizontal organizing, they can kind of infiltrate that more easily. I guess I want to kind of talk a little bit about differences of certain ideological and philosophical perspectives. In my limited understanding of what anarchism is, it's that it's a political philosophy aiming to remove both violence and coercion from how we relate to each other on an interpersonal level, a social level, institutionally. And yeah, I feel like with that being said, it's different from other schools of thought like ideologies of socialism and um, communism, just in that people can actually live this way. Since it is a philosophy, 
it's a way to actually live versus not a way to distribute certain goods and services the way economics is as an ideology that's what economics is it's gaining uh, resources materials and turning materials into resources and processes and how they're allocated so by that alone can take living in an anti-capitalist way or living in an anarchist way and going into all of the ways that you relate to people even your your interpersonal relationships that you have with another person if you're coming to a relationship in an anti-capitalist you know way maybe you'll challenge the ideas of mutual possession of another person's body and maybe you can deal with how jealousy might actually be a form of capitalism of ownership or entitlement to another person's body things like that that really challenge the ways in which we live that i'm not seeing in other ideologies what is named anarchism is helpful for me in terms of unlearning the imposed learned rigid hierarchies that we've been taught it's a method of interrelating that doesn't want to recreate hierarchies and i think hierarchies are how oppression like by accepting hierarchy that's how different types of intersectional oppressions are able to maintain power because if we're opposed to hierarchy then we have to look at all forms of hierarchy and how um, they exist and I don't think anarchism is opposed to temporary what might someone might call a temporary hierarchy like child rearing or teaching because ultimately those relationships if done in a horizontal way you become peers in the sharing of knowledge you learn just as much from you rotate being the teacher and being the person who learns and like there isn't an absolute hierarchy or authority over who is always the teacher and those are the kind of relationships of hierarchy that that anarchism would challenge a lot of people define it many different ways if we weren't under settler colonialism the method of interrelating would already be not entrenched in hierarchy so i don't know what that would look like but anarchism is helpful to me to kind of name the effects of settler colonialism in creating hierarchies i think it's interesting that it's been so associated with violence when hierarchy is is by very nature needs violence to maintain power because ultimately that's the the fear of the tactics that are controversial in the street it's like oh well you're not being absolutely passive you don't have to be violent as long as you're not passive they'll associate with you with, you with violence and i think that shows how much anarchism and diverse tactics and property destruction has been demonized and criminalized by the government who is in fact undisputably violent and is able to kind of hide that violence by um, scapegoating anarchism, which is wants to find methods of interrelating that don't rely on hierarchy and violence, but also are not going to demand oppressed people stay passive and, and does advocate self-defense, you know, non-aggression, but also self-defense. I think it's, it's great to challenge the legitimate violence that the state imposes, has been imposing ever since the inception of this country. And... Within every government's, you know, state, I feel like there are people willing to challenge that very contradiction of how the state enforces and imposes so much violence on its people to maintain a social disorder, what I would call, because it is continuously maintaining the status quo and maintaining these these hierarchies of race, class, gender, citizenship, and ability. Whenever you hear on the, in the media that someone is shot and killed, you, it's never revealed the police officer's identity. Whenever you hear a, sit, a regular person or even citizen 
impose like some sort of violence on another person they always reveal it or why are the police protected so much by this government and it's you know for that social control and to hold on to the the paradigm that the police have a monopoly on legitimized violence and i feel like uh, a lot of i mean a lot of people they they challenge uh these ideas but there's more of a challenge brought by the anarchists that say that there's nothing that anarchists can do now and especially towards inanimate objects and property that is at all compared to what the state has done and continues to do and is doing to people in terms of violence. Particular political philosophies or methods or ideologies get kind of the focal point of violence or nonviolence debate when in oppressed communities that are consistently surrounded by violence, that isn't a choice. Like, that choice is, is kind of a privilege, whether to be overtly violent or nonviolent, it's focused on. But the reality is, like, oppressed communities all the time are facing violence. It really draws up a contradiction between how anarchism is portrayed and manipulated by the state and by the media versus how it can be practiced and how that definition and the idea of anarchy can be personalized and practiced. So what examples do people think of as they were discovering what anarchism meant, the contradictions between what the rumors were and what the stereotypes were versus what it has been discovered to be through practice? I think before I labeled myself as an anarchist, I always tried to do things horizontally, and the idea of hierarchy and leadership was a problem. And then once being exposed to more horizontal spaces, to me it just kind of makes sense that that's the way you would try to exist because representative government just to me doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that one person would be in control of this whole country. It's too large. There's no way that they could actually hear the needs or even have the same perspective that I do in life to know why your law actually infringes on who I am as a person. And so it to me seems that having a conversation in communities, being able to have a space where you could decide how you want to coexist with each other and creating your own individual boundaries and community boundaries, to me, just seems like a happier, less oppressive way to live. How things are kind of happening within the world, I feel like within the social war that is happening, that has existed for forever, now it's reached a point where we are having like a world war, but it's instead of with guns, which there's there's still guns involved, but there's now there's like a war of ideas. We have people talking about violence versus legitimate violence, or when people hear the word anarchism, they think violence, and then when they hear the word police, they think legitimate violence or control or protect and serve still. I think that intersectionality, especially anti-authoritarian intersectionality, you're able to see the importance of all of these conversations and systems of oppression and not focus on one particular idea. Within anarchism, there are several different kinds of schools of thought. People who describe themselves as anarchists without adjectives are people that are very aware of all of these intersecting oppressions, having to challenge them all, all of these systems of oppression at once. We don't focus too much on any one particular um, oppression and we just have enough room for everyone's struggle and everyone's voice to kind of be heard in this in these resistance movements. So you have anarcho-queers, you have anarcho-feminists, you have anarcho-punks, 
You have the anarcho-communists who have very um, syndicalist kind of Marxist approaches at organizing in terms of labor. And then you have the other ones that I don't feel count, like anarcho-Christians, anarcho-capitalists, because it's like, what are the Christians and the capitalists trying to liberate themselves when the structure that exists um, are in favor of capitalism and Christianity? So Mm -hmm. in terms of practice... I think there are lots of ways that I have came about learning how to practice anti-authoritarian tactics or anarchist principles and tactics with trying to remove coercion and manipulation out of how I organize, out of how I deal with people on the day-to-day, challenging our very framework of which we've been socialized since we've been socialized under imperialist, white supremacist, hetero-capitalist, patriarchy. Since we're born into that, we're not born without internalized oppression. Yeah, we internalize these oppressions, so what do we have to do to internally deconstruct those, those styles of oppression that we face and then also deconstruct the material external oppressions that that bind us to these oppressed identities. I feel like when anarchy is just floated around as a non-serious critique of colonialist hierarchy by just equating it with chaos, and I don't I don't want to completely dissociate from chaos because I think that the state profits and manipulates when things appear chaotic and the state knows how to make things appear, the police especially know how to make things appear chaotic so that their violent intervention is justified. Problem is I didn't know anything about anarchy and anarchism other than just the stereotype of like anarchy, chaos, those are synonyms, those are the same thing. And they're completely not the same thing. And it wasn't until I started practicing horizontalism and kind of realizing that the problem with our current system is so many intersecting institutionalized hierarchies And if we want to create a world that doesn't have hierarchy, then we shouldn't organize within hierarchical ways. Um, And so then I think a comrade or a friend was like, hey, that sounds kind of like anarchism. And I was like, oh, and like was kind of dismissive because that's Mm -hmm. what I've been taught. I've been taught Mm -hmm. to be dismissive. And when something that opposes the form of a state, which is a state, a government, a series of networks and privileges that uphold absolute centralized authority then anything that challenges the authority of that is going to be if the state is defining what is in opposition to it then it's always going to paint it in the way that is to neutralize its threat and so anarchism just interrelating in ways that don't replicate hierarchy because a lot of social justice movements will take upon themselves the same tactics that the state uses they'll use coercion and manipulation and organize with hierarchy to try to fight the systems of coercion and manipulation and hierarchy And so discovering anarchism was, oh, like, this isn't a theoretical-based thing where we don't care how we interrelate with each other and how we organize. Mm. There's still going to be leaders and there's still going to be entitlement as long as eventually one day we have a goal of being equal or horizontal or, or sharing the responsibility and creating space for more voices that aren't usually heard. It was really refreshing to find a rejection of the cult of bullying and... Do you think that the state apparatus evolves at all to defend itself against anarchism? Yes. In what ways? In the way that the media is portraying anarchism as a certain way, the way that you're even hearing it be talked more about and you're having the liberal figurehead dismiss it and demonize it. I think that they know what tactics to be prepared to face against anarchists due to like the late 90s. 
I think that the state also has working against it the biases that are learned. So because the state uphold heterosexism and racism, they underestimate the potential of women, gender nonconforming, queer, non-white people who adopt autonomous tactics. The learned hierarchies of the state work against it some leeway where, yes, the state and capitalism will always try to co-opt anything that challenges it in order to neutralize it and make sure that it doesn't pose an effective threat. Oh, anarchy seems a little popular. Let's just incorporate it into some of our brands, desensitize people's awareness to it, manipulate how people are exposed to these ideas. I feel like, yes, that is a counterinsurgency tactic the state uses. And a lot of people's opinions are informed by mass media. Taking that further, because anarchism is the name of the brand or the commodity, the principles of anarchism aren't necessarily associated with Mm. the word anarchism or the Mm. brand anarchism because those tactics and those ideas and those principles were actually passed down from like indigenous communities and that's the reason that why we even have those concepts and that's why it's just been bunched up together, anarchism. All of this here is anarchism but it's not. What does that really apply to because so many people who maybe think in an anti-statist kind of way don't necessarily associate themselves with anarchism because it's not this overarching umbrella of everybody. Yeah, which I feel like in regards to the state, at this point, anarchism is just another brand, just another label. But even without that word, these principles still exist, have existed, and will continue to exist. And so I feel like revolt will look like spontaneous uprisings of people doing things like property damage. People do that all the time. Like on Sunset, there's a pop physique and it's one of those bougie workout places. And they have billboards all around Hollywood and East LA and it's shaping LA. And it has this white woman. And there's one on Sunset and it's tagged up. And that person is doing property destruction. Do they label themselves an anarchist? Were they wearing black? I don't know, but they were doing property destruction. (laughs) And so the resistance will do these things under no label. Right. And property is like environmental destruction. It's like <laughs> it's like cutting out pieces of the land and owning it and all the resources, quote unquote, that it creates. Owning that is wrong. That's destruction. That's destructive to the land. But just to piggyback off of what both Jay Ray and Anton were saying in terms of the logic of colonialism, when I think about the things that I was taught in elementary school, in a school from a town that was named after an indigenous chief, Pontiac, Illinois, I was taught that the indigenous people of this land were initially friendly and Thanksgiving happened and there was a great feast and from then on, people worked together, la la la, tra la la. And it, it was just like in that same kind of indoctrination that I was facing growing up in terms of the truth that is being taught so widespread that of course the same institutions that are teaching us this are going to teach that anarchism or indigenous resistance or any sort of thing that negates these kind of teachings of indoctrination of course they're going to continue to paint, continue to paint anarchism or indigenous resistance in like a, in their certain light, in their demonized, criminalized light. And then furthering other logics of colonialism and to talk about the war of ideas, you know, we have like a war of logic. It's like, what kind of logic are we using? Are we using Western Eurocentric capitalist logic? Are we using logic that is trying to remove coercion and hierarchy from how we organize and how to radically transgress how we socially relate to one another. 
because when you think about the logic of colonialism and you think about people who might have Marxist or Leninist principles, you have to consider were these people who created these philosophies really considering colonialism in their theory and in the praxis. And then all it really is is theory if you are are only considering the future and only considering, like Jay Ray said, the goals that it takes to get to this theory or these ideas versus actually applicating and practicing a philosophy, giving a prefigurative politic versus um, just theorizing about the future. And what Anton was saying, like with the brand of anarchism, now you have just kind of like these anarcho hipsters that are sitting around like talking about, um, you know, these these issues and being part, actually physically being part of the issues instead of, you know, agitating for resistance and filming the police and like doing doing real tangible things to build communities against these structures that are oppressing people of color, queers, really um, feeling like they're not really seeing that their liberation is connected to everybody's liberation. I think of communities and how you would be able to build autonomous communities. And for me, as a displaced person, the idea of one having a community is difficult to have. And I feel like that's something that capitalism purposely tries to destroy is the idea of community because that is a threat to capitalism. And so if we want to see how do we start moving into more autonomous communities, what does anarchism look like in practice, it would be first trying to figure out the foundation of just one, knowing your neighbors, having a community, and then even if not in physical, then in affinity with people that maybe live nearby. And then from there, building neighborhood assemblies or affinity assemblies and talking to each other and then figuring out what needs are needed in the community and how working together collectively you can try to get those things. Because, yeah, I think it's interesting. A lot of people are like, when you talk about anarchism, it's like, well, how is that really going to work? I remember for me, before when I thought of anarchism, I was like, Ugh, who's going to paint the roads? Who's going to do that stuff? And it's like, we'll do it and we'll paint it and we'll probably do it sooner and better because, <laughs> you know, you're not going to be waiting for the bureaucracy and just self-reliance. There's patriarchal anarchists too. I went to Occupy, that was kind of my first experience of coming into contact with people who were a lot more aggressive, but they were driving for the same goals as I was. And I realized that these old world sensibilities of like heteropatriarch, they find their way into these schools of thought because people are so indoctrinated and patriarchal anarchists just teach anarchism in this patriarchal way. And it just passes on. The way people resist the state is directly related to their reactions towards the way other people talk about politics but maybe others kind of are reacting to anarchism. These kinds of conversations always make me think about all the different anarchists, you know, in the world. Yeah. <laughs> and that not one group represent anarchism, mm -hmm. you know, or that there is not a definition of anarchism. Like, I don't know. Yeah. And white males don't get to continue to carry the mantle of anarchism. Right. Word. Because, yeah, there's totally not just Northwestern philosophies of anarchism. People are forgetting about the Southeastern, mm -hmm. you know, philosophies of anarchism and how they practice it, which is, you know, the same principles of, like, removing coercion and violence and the state altogether and systems of e economy that you have to, you're born into and that you have to opt into in order to survive. Right. But what you were talking about, Anton, yeah, I agree. I totally agree. Just to talk about how when Bobby was talking about the importance of community, I think it's extremely important for people to build community 
because that in that in itself it's it's love and you're when you are you know trying to build you know love with people you are removing your you're trying to in a way like that is resistance to capitalism because since you know capitalism is it works to isolate and individualize and alienate people into you know rigid forms of self uh, aggrandizement and but I also want to say that where there is community, uh, there's also a privilege in that in creating that. And um, uh, there are people that are so either indoctrinated or are so isolated and alienated by capitalism that they don't have those as options. There are houses people that don't have the ability to or the capability or even the neurotypical uh, way that they can function to actually have a uh, a community to fall back on. So I see myself as very, very privileged to have such a widespread community. Maybe not where I live because it's really difficult because I find myself the way you find yourself, Bobby, in that a lot of the times I will, I, I won't have a definitive permanent residence to live at. And I think that's where a lot of People who do face poverty kind of have to have to question question their actions and their ideals in terms of building community because for me I feel like I'm always I'm always moving and uprooted and it's kind of well this is so temporary is it is it even worth really like getting moving into a community and getting to know people and trying to create something I think it is but I also don't want to create something and then not not give the kind of proper um, ideals and how to and how to perpetuate these community efforts without me. You know, it would be great if like, you know, people were living in a community and they did start like a cop watch program or they did start a meal program and like should they leave the people have the tools and the know-how to continue that versus having these like sometimes there are gatekeepers you know who are they're only concerned with their own personal social capital and their own social power that they gain from doing this community activist work and then they will hold certain information and resources in order to um in order to hold that power and that's the kind of thing that I've joined in fighting against when I've, I've organized in um, other community efforts or other um, coalition efforts is that kind of like rigid, that hold of, of power and trying to decentralize it. Working collectively and attempting to cooperate against individualism is, in my opinion right now, partially a survival tactic to survive globalized neoliberal capitalism it is an effective way to find and learn and define what community means for you because I think sometimes that word is just thrown around to create unity where maybe unity doesn't want to exist Um, like not all people in a particular region some people in a region might think and identify with the community of that region but not everybody in that community has the same ideas about different things so like not all communities share the same ideas at all times and everybody defines community differently. Part of what has led me towards what some would consider far left views and I would consider a rejection of the right left binary and like towards autonomy, like what has drawn me towards autonomy is that I'm part of multiple communities. And like I get to define that according to myself and what draws me to towards autonomous communities is that 
we can decide how we are a community and what defines us being a community. We can talk about what our needs are. We can talk about what our challenges are. Not silencing that is a huge part of what community means to me. But it means different things to so many different people. Anti-authoritarian, autonomous communities, they don't ignore that conflict. And they don't shy away from the idea that we are situated within a conflict. And we can support each other to survive under capitalism. But more than that, to explore the conflict on our terms Not always in a reactive way. I'm not saying that we're not always reacting to the state, but voluntary autonomous communities provide, I think, for me, like the best example of how we might possibly break from the logic of always having to react to the state and how we might actually be able to cultivate ideas amongst ourselves. We are coming to the close of time. We're going to see if anyone else wants to be on stack, and then we're going to close stack, if that's okay with everyone. I feel like I'm a little bit privileged to kind of be able-bodied enough to build communities, and the work that that kind of takes is definitely, it's not something that everyone necessarily has time for or necessarily has the energy for at every moment of the day, but just thinking about that also makes me realize that in terms of anarchism, community should be something that is shared equally among everybody. Community should be free, it should be accessible. You should be able to step outside and not your community. Capitalism, the world that you live in is not your community, it's not your home, you're displaced. Yeah, it just makes me think about just displacement. The feeling of you're in a community is a privilege that we take for granted because the state makes it so that it's something that only a few people can have. The state only privileges a certain group of people. That just reminds me of intersecting hierarchies and how what comes to mind is if you're undocumented, you're not empowered to have an open, visible community. And if you're houseless, like because you have an open, visible community in public, you're going to be repressed. Mm -hmm. So the way community comes together definitely is playing off of the context of like what the state permits community to look like. Yeah, I think especially for black people who have been continuously displaced, specifically in Los Angeles, and the lack of black communities, we're not really welcome too often anywhere. So the ability to be able to build community on that level is very difficult. And that's why black anarchism is something that I find very interesting, because since we were taken and put onto this country, we have always been revolting against the state. And so black autonomous communities are really important. Yeah, there's a lot of different autonomous communities um, and communities that I'm a part of, and even some communities that are called communities that I wouldn't call, like the LGBTQIA2S plus community isn't really a community. We Mm -hmm. just kind of share the same conditions under heteropatriarchy. I feel like with certain communities, you know, Zapatistas or in Los Angeles or revolutionary autonomous communities, there are communities that are not willing to give up their principles in that they don't want to cooperate or um, be sponsored by politicians or people who work for the state. Um, they're, like I feel like with the revolutionary autonomous communities, it's really amazing that they've been going on for as long as they have. Their principles have been challenged, but they've never really you know, bowed down um, to people that are trying to make a profit off of them or exploit their visibility and it's interesting how so often when we're when we're at MacArthur Park and people want to come and they want to take pictures it's you know it's weird it's like it's interesting that people don't see it as a community and they are taking pictures and people are like whoa they people have been doing this for so long that they, we consider ourselves like family within there and it's, you're just taking how would you feel if somebody went up to you and can I take a picture of you and your family just like hanging like that's kind of <laughs> it's kind of strange when it's approached that way because I feel like you know with the whole food 
ban that was going to happen and with you know there there is continuously an attack on autonomous communities um people who can't strike deals with these communities put these politicians that can't exploit that in their favor who are rejected they just send you know their attack dogs i.e the slave patrol uh, i mean the police and just also things like they're all just like autonomous communities like whether or not they have like the name or anything like that like most black and brown communities aren't going to call the cops you know they use other means to deal with like situations so it's like you know autonomous communities are just like it's something that is just fluid that is like just happening as well as like not necessarily being labeled as one and some autonomous communities do call the cops yeah but. <laughs> right. <laughs> Anything that is outside of state power or challenging law and order, the state is going to target or at least try to negotiate with. By mm-hmm. target, they're either going to try to make you work with them and pressure you into working with them by saying it's for your own good when it's really for like, supremacy of the state. They're going to tell you it's for safety or they're going to escalate to the point of repression. But if you reject their advances and don't negotiate with the state, that's usually when repression happens the most because the state demands that you comply with it that's what i feel is the difference between you know communities that are working with the police and autonomous communities and that autonomous communities yeah like are are not willing to even negotiate or work with you know they're trying to actually create something out of you know not um not working with uh, the state apparatus or the police or like anything if you know somebody goes missing in their community they're not going to call the police they're going to try to do try to find ways to handle this community issue because it is a community issue and the state is outside of that and there's groups that do it like both politically but then also do it because like they're undocumented and you can't call the cops or right. because like out of necessity. you have a warrant out you can't call the cops like, exactly yeah but i'm just saying that for example i believe a woman is autonomous so if she chooses to call the cops, she's still autonomously choosing to call the cops. It's for her safety or whatever the decision-making process is. But I think that autonomous communities still do work with the state apparatus because the state apparatus is what controls our entire lives, you know? So you can't really work outside of it. People try to subvert the process as much as possible. But sometimes we just have old-world fears. That's a good example. A child goes missing. Yes, an undocumented community doesn't really have the privilege to work with the police, but someone who has old-world fears for their child might try to rally a community effort to work with the police to find the child. That's something that is more community-oriented, but it's less autonomous. I think there's gradations for both of those words because, I mean, I don't know, I feel like I see certain communities work together. I think that that's autonomous in some ways, but I also see them working together for these kind of bougie things sometimes, too. In the suburbs, people have block parties. I don't really think a block party is... It can be. But it's it can community. be, right? Yeah, exactly. I but just think some it's not some people can use that. Yeah, exactly. Right. People come together. There are intentionalized autonomous communities um, that know they're intentionalizing autonomy outside the state, and then there are like autonomous communities and autonomous groupings that are not intentionalizing working outside the state, but clearly avoiding the state because I think that's just natural under oppression, especially mm-hmm. for oppressed communities. You're avoiding the state and avoiding working with them. But even if the whole group tends to have a consensus leaning towards not working with the police. Autonomous communities are made up of interpersonal and interrelating individuals, and so an individual could still break that consensus of an autonomous community and call the police. It does bring up, are we going to individualize the blame for people who don't feel any other safety outside of the state, or are we going to just 
take that and try to work more towards how to provide alternatives so that people don't feel mm-hmm. coerced to or pressured to mm-hmm. adopt the ideology of the state by reaching out to the state. I don't know if we can always, especially in oppressed communities, if we can blame people for mm-hmm. the state. We can't talk about it and challenge that, I think, that yeah. practice. Yeah, that's important. Because it is a societal issue. It's like, yeah, it isn't to individualize the blame. You can't really. It's a societal kind of mess up. Having it's a condition time. that we've Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there anyone else on stack? Okay. Thanks, everyone, for listening to our expanding dialogue and adventure to mm-hmm. agitate the airwaves, get out some discussion, and share revolt. And if you'd like to message us, um, you could hit us up on onresistanceradio at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook, and our website is onresistanceradio.tumblr.com. Thank you. From Gulag to the prison industrial complex. To each his own, no thrones, no preachers spreading fantasies. God is a myth, and man's enslavement is his reality. God don't like ugly, God hates flags. God hates cops, and is a mass-murdering sociopath. And I don't need that bullshit to act. All I need is a library card and the knowledge that no man is above me For kings or the land from the peasants, we have the commons Private properties, a system used to alienate people from their needs That's why poverty's pandemic and capitalism can't eliminate crime Ain't nothing fair in death, slavery, and bribes Emma Goldman, I know I'm no Emma Goldman She opened up an ice cream shop to fund an assassin Welcome to the new black scam Shouts out to the Northwestern Grand Jury Resistance They say that anarchism can't work But all anarchists do is put in work Enough for the money out of necessity Imagine a world where you could follow your passions A federation built on community Shouts to Occupy Sandy Stepping in with the mutual aid He'd find out you were an anarchist if you took the time to Debate tactics, plants and gardens in the projects. They push us to the sidewalk, we take the streets, we strike debt. We can bring things back to normal or do the opposite. We can bicker over differences, or we can fuck up shit, cause shit's fucked up and bullshit. In the 1800s, anarchists were libertines. Only in America are libertarians and I'm on the right wing. They put a gun in your face and tell you to be non violent, but ignorance is violence. Who spreads ignorance through public schools and sends the poor to die? To steal more shit for you know who, you know who If voting changed anything, they'd make it illegal She said that a hundred years ago Ain't shit changed, but the manufacturers are weapon Ain't shit changed, they replaced churches with banks and mainstream news This government was designed to overrule the mob So we mobs designed to overrule the government Emma Goldman, I think I'm Emma Goldman In the belly of the beast, make that motherfucker sick I must be Emma Goldman Must be doing something wrong If the feds ain't on my dick You can say I'm guilty of propping up a cult of personality I'm a Malcolm X man By any means necessary Avant-garde is say I'm dumbing it down But Emma didn't speak in riddles She spoke in a common tongue No future utopias We're building it now Horizontally No 10,000 MLKs Getting bright and black all day I'm a Kropotkin man myself The streets is my office Where I plan my the song again liberal i'm emma goldman anarchism a social philosophy which aims at the emancipation economic social political and spiritual of the human race